0: Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. The title of my message tonight is Five Open Doors. Five open doors, Now that's not to say or to limit that there can only be five, but I'm only gonna deal, well, I'm really not even gonna deal with five. Perhaps because of the magnitude of the lesson, I will probably only get to probably two of the five, because one of them demands so much attention, and then the third door, I'm going to set aside a session where I would just deal with it just by itself in one session because it it demands such attention. But but I believe if you'll pay close attention and open your hearts that uh, uh, your life will be eternally changed. Can somebody say amen? And if you're suffering uh, any form of defeat, I believe this teaching will show you how to get victory. The Holy Ghost said, say that again. Uh, If you are suffering, I'm not saying you, but perhaps you know somebody, who is suffering from some form or measure of defeat, whether it's in their finances, their family, their marriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I believe these teachings that I will be sharing in the next few sessions will show you how uh, to get victory. It's one thing for somebody to shine a light on your problem. It is another thing for somebody to shine a light on how to get out. Preach, boy, preach. Uh, Let's go, uh, let me keep up with my reputation. Uh, Nugget number one, please. Nugget number one. Would you so graciously into our e-church, please read along with us so that you can be blessed in participation. Amen, ready, read. (laughs) Would would you read that loud to the person who's around you because they don't know that. Would you read that a little louder because the people that are around you they don't know what you're reading so you have to read it loud enough for them to hear it so that it can take large down into their hearts or their spirits so that they will understand that satan hates them because they joined the side of jesus would you read it again And you are his enemy whether you want to be or not. Nugget number two. Ready? Read. Can I say this without you getting mad? As a Christian, you don't have to go crazy. Because a lot of folks are losing their mind. In church. But as a believer, you don't have to lose it. And you need to stop saying it, even if it's a popular cultural expression. Girl, I'm about, I'm going to make me lose my, you don't want to lose your mind. Stop playing with that. Because the angels, Jesus, that have been assigned to you, they don't know when you're joking. They only know what you said. And if you say the wrong thing, then you release the satanic angelic hoax to work against you. Because what you're saying is giving authorization in the spirit world. And in the spirit world, there are angels that have been assigned to you by God. But also in the spirit world, there are demon spirits, fallen angels. That's why Paul said, talking to the church at Corinth, he said, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And then he talked about the nine gifts of the spirit. And one of those gifts was the discerning of spirits. And not the discerning of evil spirits. But the discerning of spirits. And in the spirit world, there are evil spirits and godly spirits. And, well, there's three spirits. There's, there's, the, there's uh, the spirit of God. There's satanic spirits. And then there's the natural human spirit. Are you all listening to me? So you have to be careful with your words, but the battleground is your mind and you have to guard your mind, your heart at all costs. The devil will turn your heart, your mind against your spouse, against your children, against your family, against your your employer, against your pastor. Are you listening to me? If you don't guard your mind, are you listening to me? The devil can get in and turn you against somebody who God has put their blessing, your blessing in their hands. Nugget number three, please. Ready? Read. Christians. Am I talking to Christians? This is the truth. I don't care how saved you say you are, you can be agitated, you can be attacked and oppressed by demonic forces if you don't protect yourself. Now, this message was somewhat stimulated from Sunday. I went to church Sunday. Anybody else? And I heard what the preacher said because I was listening with the intent to do. And he talked about we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Particularly he was talking about guarding our children and the culture that they're in. He also made mention that we are in a spiritual battle. And Satan does not care if you don't want to fight. Because he is just like the bully that you were scared of on the playground. Don't play me now. And the bully on the playground would pop you upside your head or kick you in your behind or trip you or take something that you own and dared you to take it back. And because you were scared, you didn't fight. And this may have gone on for weeks, months, years. Until one day you got tired and you said, if he whipped me, he whipped me. But today it's going to be a fight and they won't be able to tell who won by the way we look. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. And did you notice the day you rose up to fight the bully? More often than not, you didn't fight because a bully don't want to fight. In some cases, a bully can't fight. So the day you rose up to tell the bully, you've taken my last quarter that my mama gave me. I'm tired of going to lunch and can't buy chocolate milk because you took my money. And today at lunch, I'm going to have my chocolate milk. You're going to have to kill me to get my lunch money. And the bully starts talking winded stuff as they're walking off because they don't want to fight. And they go looking for somebody else that they can devour because they've discovered that you will fight. And for some of you, you need to tell the devil, you can't have my daughter, you can't have my son, you can't have my marriage, you can't have my family. You can't take nothing that the Lord has given to me because I'm gonna fight. Not only am I gonna fight, the Bible says, if I fight, I win. Cause the fight is fixed. Ooh, Jesus! I don't want to mess with that. Nugget, nugget number what now? Number four. Nugget number four. Ready? Read. Read. read that again. Stop right there. Is there anybody here have been done wrong? Half of you. This gets getting lost. Is anybody in here? Nephew, you've been done wrong. You're too young to been done wrong. You ain't been 17. Ready? Read. How many? You have how many? Read on, please. And, And you're doing one of the two with every situation you have faced in life, even if you faced something last night. Jesus. N- nugget. Let's move, Lord. Uh, nugget number f- what? Five? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. Ready? Read. Is option, it is the primary mark of a Christian. That's a sign that you're a believer. What's a sign? Because you can forgive. Ooh, Jesus. Come on. Uh, come on, E-Church. Uh, g- get with me. Ready? Read. Forgiveness is not an option. It is the primary mark. That's the benefit of being a Christian. Is that you have been downloaded with a power from heaven to forgive in a situation where in the natural and in your own strength, you couldn't do it. You're loving somebody today that you hated yesterday. And the only thing that has happened is that God has, been given you a download to do something supernaturally that you cannot do naturally. Ooh, Jesus. It is the primary mark of a Christian is that you can forgive people who have done you wrong. And you can forgive them even if they don't ask for forgiveness. And you can forgive them if they ask for forgiveness and you know they're lying. Come on, where are my people? I mean, you know they're lying, but there's something in you that still forgive them. Still sets them free. And they walk away thinking they got over. Not realizing they didn't get over, you did. Nugget number six. Ready, read. Which just simply means we can't forgive like we need to forgive without the help of God. Because there's some things that can happen to you There's some things that can happen to us. There's some things that perhaps has happened. Perhaps some things have happened that you've never told anybody. And the only way you've been able to release that thing was by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. You can see that person who may have done something to you, lied on you, maligned your name or your family, and you can look at them with the love of God. Because you've been downloaded something in your spirit, amen, from heaven, from God, that gives you the ability to respond like God. Can somebody say amen? Nugget number seven. Uh, I didn't give it to him, so I won't put it on the screen. So, so let go to 2 Corinthians. I got plenty of nuggets. Nugget, uh, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Five open doors five open doors. How many want to deal with? Well, let me, let me, you might want to write this down. Door number one is disobedience. Door number two is unforgiveness. Door number three, which I want to deal with, a session all by itself of what I call emotional trauma, which more often than not, it happens in our childhood that we carry over into our adulthood and it affects every relationship that we get in. And sometimes we struggle in our marriages as adults because of something that happened to us as a child. Sometimes as an adult, you have trust issues and that that. Uh, that issue of not being able to trust is because of something that happened to you maybe 30 years ago. Are you listening to me? You, you, have, you have issues and problems functioning in a marriage or in intimacy. And the reason you're having issues functioning in intimacy as an adult is because something happened to you as a child that traumatized you. And because it was never dealt with That thing still is causing certain um, manifestations in in, in your life because it hasn't been dealt with. And, oh, geez, can you handle this? Any issue you've ever had that you've never dealt with, you still got it. Because until it's dealt with, until you allow the Spirit of God to go in and uproot it and dig it out, that thing can lay dormant for years. I'm talking about five years, 10 years, 15 years, and one day you look up, you got a bad harvest. You're growing something that you thought you'd been delivered from. Are you all listening to me? The E-Church, are you listening to me? Uh... Open door number four, inner vows and judgments. I'll deal with that later. And the last thing I want to deal with, open door number five, and and much teaching is needed because I don't want you to get in a ditch on on the other side of the fence. But you can have an open door out of ignorance, and that open door is a curse. Curse. Let me say this. This is not my lesson tonight, but if you don't hear nothing, E-Church, that I'm going to teach tonight, you have to hear this. If I'm your pastor, whatever you do, don't let anybody seduce you and mislead you from not tithing. Because those of you who don't tithe that might be the reason why your marriage is jacked up or your family's jacked up because the Bible says that when you honor God with the tithe and the offering that he would rebuke the devourer for your sake. And we get, we get off-centered sometimes because we think if we don't tithe, it will only affect our money. And not tithing could affect your air conditioner, your your washer and dryer, the motor and transmission of your car. Preach, boy, preach. It could affect the ability of your vacuum cleaner. Why, you got to keep buying one every week. And they're brand new breaking down. Oh, God. All I'm just simply saying, the, the, the devourer, has to have an open door and you have to give it to him. Ooh, Jesus. So if you don't hear any, I know if you hear Wednesday, you're a tither. So, so come on, act, act like you won. Please get happy with what I just said. That's a little better. That's about 80%. I'll take it. But if you don't hear anything I'm saying as your pastor, please take heed to that. I don't have the time to teach you tonight why I said what I said. But I'm telling you, you can't afford to rob God. You cannot afford to tie God's hands from releasing favor on your life and your family. And you may think you're getting by because all you think is that if you don't tithe, it'll affect your money. And I'm telling you, it'll affect everything you're connected to. You'd be in a beautiful home and your husband and wife sleeping in separate bedrooms. And you can't even figure out why. And it's all because you're robbing God. Preach, boy, preach. Are we in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 10? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at this, please. Let me slow down. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you so graciously look at verse number four and number five? Are you there yet? If you're there, would you say like my mentor will ask his congregation? If you're there, would you say I'm there? That's Apostle Frederick Casey Price. Look at verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds. Verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought, bring every thought, bring every thought. You can't get in trouble until you first get in trouble in your thought life. Did you hear what I said? You can't get in trouble. You can't get in trouble outwardly until you get in trouble inwardly. So the word of God says bring every thought. Bring every thought into what? in other words, arrested to the obedience of Christ. So when a thought comes to your mind that try to suggest you to do something that's not in a line with obedience to God, you're to arrest that thing. And you're to cast it down. And you're to get away from anybody who feeds that wrong thought food. Okay. You're to to remove your physical self from the presence of anybody who will say something to you to try to feed your soul something contrary to what the word of God says. And you're not to debate God's truth. God didn't call you to debate. He called you to declare. Are you listening to me? We are not philosophers. We're not Aristotle or Socrates or Plato. We are ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that have an ear will hear. So God doesn't send you out into the world to get into the debate game. It's not a debate. And when somebody wants to argue, you're never going to win. You're just wasting your time. Jesus said the fields are white on the harvest. So you'll always know when it's the right person because they're eager to hear what you're saying. Can somebody say amen to this truth? So the minister said, Sunday, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So it takes the power of God to pull down something in my mind that's not right. And I don't know about you, but my greatest challenge when I got into the Word of God, my greatest fight has been been the battle of trying to remove erroneous thinkings that I was taught in church that wasn't in the Bible. And it was a battle for me to get off of the rough side of the mountain and start heading to Canaan's land. And Canaan's land is not on the mountain. Canaan's land is being led by the Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? So your great challenge many times is when you hear the truth, it bumps into your tradition. Well, that ain't what mama said. Well, mama didn't write the Bible. You know, certainly all respect to your mother. But, but if he or she is saying something wrong, it's perhaps because they were taught wrong. Right, right. You heard the story about the woman, uh, the, the young lady who grew up, and uh, she would cut the ham in half and cook it in two pots. You all heard that story? And, and there, you know, everybody in the family would, you know, buy a ham and cut it in half and would always cook it in two pots. And so finally, a grand, a great granddaughter who now is of age where she has to learn how to cook. She asked the question, well, well, well why did grandma always cut the ham in uh, two pieces to, to cook the ham? And, and why did grandma and why? Why did you, mom? Why did you cut the ham in two pieces to cook the ham? And the mother said to her daughter, she said, I really don't. I really come to think I don't know why. Let me call, uh, let me call your grandmother, my mother, and find out why her mother cut the ham in two pieces to cook it. And so when she called her mother, her mother said, oh, child, my, your great grandma, my mama, she would cut the ham in two pieces because she didn't have a pot that was big enough to hold the whole ham. It may sound funny, but what are you practicing and will put your life on that is only tradition and not Bible? Well, this is the way great-grandmama treated her husband, she lost him. This is the way grandma treated her husband, and she lost him. And this is the way your mama treated your daddy, and he's gone. Somebody need to wake up. Sisters turn to another sister and say, wake up. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Are you listening? So I'm just simply saying we can be doing things out of tradition in the church. I mean, why do we have a choir? And why do they have to sing three songs on Sundays? Come on now. And why does the carpet have to be red? And why do we have to have stained glasses? And why do we have to have a cross on the steeple? And why do the choir have to wear a robe? And why do they have to march down the aisle? And why do they have to march slow? (laughs) Extending the service. And it can become so traditional in your thinking that when you attend the church and they don't present that, you don't think you're in church. Are you listening to me? I had to make an adjustment to my mentors Apostle Price, Dad Hagen, Dr. Thompson. I had to make adjustments because I grew up where they called, or they had preachers who could hoop. I mean, they would give you a text, and you don't know where they're going after that. And we're all sitting on the edge of the seats waiting for them to tune it up. And then they read their verse of scripture. There might be four or five verses. And then they go on and tell a little story. And then they look over there. They get, mm. yeah, well, he don't know. He's trying. But you all know what I'm talking about. Oh, oh Lord. And then they try, oh, yeah, yeah, Lord. And then, I mean, it, it's going to be a frenzy. So when I went to a church like this, and apostle price opened the Bible and started teaching and didn't change his demeanor. And then at the end, he said, you know, uh, don't forget 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by faith. And I said, is that it? Because I was used to the tuning up. But the thing that transformed me is I had the opportunity to go there and see how his people looked without the tune-up and how the people looked with the tune-up. And I said, I'm going to be a preacher without the tune-up. I'm going to stand flat-footed and teach the people The word of God. Because the power is in the word and not the show. Go ahead, son. Remember, as a Christian, you are Satan's enemy. Can somebody say amen? Satan wants to defeat you. Satan wants to deceive you. Here you go. And Satan wants to vex you, V-E-X. And Satan wants to keep you from the truth. Satan wants to do what? He wants to defeat you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to vex you. And Satan wants to make sure and guard you from ever encountering and having a relationship with the truth. Notice I said relationship with truth because truth is Jesus. And Jesus wants a relationship with you. Can somebody say amen? In John chapter eight, well, let's go there. John chapter eight, verse 31. John eight, real quick, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Look at the screen. Ready? Read. Then Jesus said, who, stop right there. So that tells us everybody who heard him didn't believe him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Look at the next verse. Verse number what, 32? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And truth is Jesus. Can, can somebody say amen? The truth shall make you free. Nugget number two was the battlefield is your mind. Look at this. A lying thought can become a stronghold and keep you from truth. If you reflect back when you first started coming, when you first started coming to Harvest Church, I mean, people came out of the woodwork to try to talk you out of coming. I mean, people you didn't even know had ever been here, and some who tried to talk you out of it never been here. But they never tried to talk you out of going somewhere where you wouldn't get truth. They never tried to talk you out of going to the club. They never tried to talk you out of buying liquor. They never tried to talk you out of buying dope. They never tried to talk you out of buying a nickel bag. They never tried to talk you out of playing around on your wife or your husband. They volunteer to be your alibi. Ain't nobody saying nothing but me. But the enemy will always raise his head up when there's a possibility that you're going to have an encounter with truth. Why? Because truth received will set you free. Can somebody say amen? And, and the religious world will hate you for it. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll hate you for it. Is this blessing anybody at all? So again, nugget number three, open doors invite demonic forces of darkness into our lives. Now let's get busy. I talked about five. How many? How many? Five open doors. Let's deal with open door number one. And I won't labor on it long, I don't believe. But the first one is disobedience. Disobedience. Can somebody just shout hallelujah? I just want to hear somebody say hallelujah over the word disobedience. Disobedience is any action or attitude that scripture tells you not to do or have. And I can't tell you the number of things I've done that the Bible said don't do. And I did it anyway. Disobedience. I believe it is the plague of our generation because we have raised a generation of children who are disobedient to parents. If you say that's the truth again, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. We have raised up, I'm talking about in the church. We we have raised up a generation of children in the church who don't believe in disciplining their children. We've had people take their kids out of our Christian school because we believe that the rod of correction will drive foolishness far away from their children. And some of those kids today are living a life of shipwreck. not the child's fault. That's why I'm real adamant because the child is paying the penalty of their parents' weakness and foolishness yeah. Yeah. because the parents didn't believe what the bible said and some of us here and some of the people watching by e-church we wouldn't be out here in the land of the free if it hadn't been for the parents we had who warmed our bottoms when it needed to be warmed. And we thought they were killing us, not realizing that they were saving us. Yeah. <clears throat> and how many of your friends who grew up in your neighborhood who had parents who didn't discipline them because the disciplined children is a part of raising them? And so if you don't discipline them, you're not raising them. And how many of your friends today that you grew up with who are in jail or dead? Because they didn't know how to follow instructions. They didn't know how to operate honorably in society. Some of you wouldn't have your job the day that you had if your parents hadn't raised you to be respectful and honorable. Four-year-old getting up in the face of a 50-year-old man or woman or a 60-year-old man or woman or a 70-year-old man or woman or 80 year man or woman and a little six-year-old looking at him talking about yeah and no. And you don't have a problem with it. Because you don't give honor. And you didn't teach your children to give honor. And now they're dishonoring you. And they can't keep a job because the world won't tolerate them. Now, I know you're going to get quiet. I'll get on something else in a minute. But, but. God said to the children, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, so that it will be well with you and you will live a long life. That's a a promise, promise. There are promises, and there are promise, promises. So how many children are suffering today? And the only reason they're suffering is because they're dishonoring their parents. You can't stay married if you're dishonorable. Nobody want to live with you. Oh, give me something else, Jesus. E-church, smile at me through the camera. I need help. Is any action or attitude that Scripture tells you not to do or have. Sin of disobedience are willfully chosen. I've opened a Bible and shown parents foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. Your child is not ADD, sir, ma'am. Your child is not bad. Your child is suffering from the lack of parenting. Because spanking the child when needed a spanking, it's not about how you feel as a parent. It's about saving your child. And so you don't do what the Bible says and they grow up in their strings. Nobody wearing all black, black fingernails, black toenails, six earrings in in one ear, 20 in the other. Unless something's going on up here that's dark. And as a parent, you're scared to deal with it. Like ignoring it is going to go away, but it's not. Lord, give me something before the service is over. Is is this helping anybody at all? Let's close out here with Romans 6. You're not raising your children. Children just existing in your house. And I'm going to believe the word over you. The Bible says foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child but the rod of correction would drive it far away from them. and And you don't have to beat them all their life. It's just a season. In, the, in those formative years, when I got about 10, it's about 10, I may have got maybe one or two whippings. Uh, I think about by 12, it was over. Not realized that by the time 17, my dad would be gone. But you know, those, those early years, formative years, where I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if what my daddy is saying is the truth, or if he means what he said. You know, I'm I'm, I'm just growing with him. So those first, you know, years, four, five, six, you know, uh, he may spank me over something, and he's telling me he's going to spank me, and he's spanking me over the same thing. And then after about six or seven, I I think he kind of means what he's saying. And then about eight or nine, I'd want to do something that I know he told me don't do, and my behind would start speaking to me. Now, you can go do it, but I ain't in it. Because when you do wrong, I'm paying the penalty. And, and I grew up at a time where your parents would come to school. And uh, they didn't say, I'm going to spank you when you get home. They would say, I'm going to spank you there at the scene of the crime and at home. And when you're being raised to believe what your parents are saying based upon the word, you think about doing stuff, but you do the word too. You bring that thought into captivity. <laughs> Come on, now. and you learn it. You don't even know the Bible, but you know I got to capture this thought. huh? Because my daddy, I don't know about your my daddy meant what he said. And my daddy only told me one time Kept me out of jail and I'm 70 years old today. Amen. Looking 50. Minus 10. you get getting mad at me, I'll take another 10 off. So disobedience. Are you in Romans 6? Look at verse number 16. This is good. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one slave whom you, whom you, and everybody's obeying somebody. Whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Is this good teaching? So, willfully disobedience will lead you into bondage and eventually it will capture your will. You keep playing with it, you keep playing with it, and you look up one day, you can't tell it no. Is this good? For the few seconds that I have left, let's deal with uh, open door number two. I almost only want to start because this is a lengthy one, but door number two is unforgiveness. I'll close with this because our time is gone. Unforgiveness is refusing to let go of a debt owed by another person. Unforgiveness is refusing to let go. You ever been around somebody who won't let it go? I mean, it'll geez, it will wear you out. I mean, you talk about it, you think it's the end, and they start from the beginning again. And then you think it's over, and they start from the beginning or the middle. Are you listening to me? And it will wear you out. And the reason they do that, can't let it go. Marriage can't be healed because somebody won't let it go. Something that happened three years ago, three months ago, still jacking you up today because you won't let it go. Robbed of relationships or better relationships because something happened that you won't let go. Going to lose a good man you're going to forfeit a, a good woman over a mistake they've done that they really asked for forgiveness and you won't let it go. And every time you bring it up, you put that thing in front of your situation again because you won't let it go. And sometimes people don't want to let things go because it's a form of, of control over a person they want to hold in bondage. Which is manipulation, which is equivalent to witchcraft. You're controlling him over something he did 10 years ago. You took something from him and you never gave it back because you got them. Don't mess with me. And your marriage and your relationship is not free, it's bondage. It's getting quiet. I said, it's getting quiet. So in Matthew 18, 21, someone called me a few days ago and said to me, a person said, I'm I'm tired of forgiving my brother. And they said to me, how many times am I to forgive my brother? Because I'm tired of forgiving him. I'm tired of him asking for forgiveness and I'm tired of forgiving him. And they were sincere of Seven Day Adventist. They were sincere. Can you help me, Pastor, on how often should I forgive this relative who keep doing something over and over, asking for forgiveness, and I'm tired of them asking, and I'm tired of them forgiving. And when they're asking me, Pastor, when do I have a right not to forgive them? When can I not forgive him and be okay with it? And I said, well, you ask me, and the only response I have for you is the word of God. Amen? So we're in Matthew 18, and let's look at verse number 21 concerning somebody that you need to forgive tonight. Verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Because we can, we can do that. They mess with you once, one. <laughs> we might even say that out loud with this, food. And we might even do that, we may just finger it. Mm-hmm. We wait for that seventh time. And, and look what Jesus said. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which is 490 times. But if you read this verse in the Greek, you'll discover that Jesus wasn't just saying to the man, forgive the person seven times 70 or 490 times. If you read it in the context of the the Greek lexicon, you'll discover that Jesus was saying, forgive them seven times 70 for the same crime, the same day. In other words, there is no place, no room for not forgiving. He was saying you forgive seven times 70 for the same crime from the same person. You forgive them 490 times for the same crime the same day. And tomorrow you start over. So what Jesus was saying in essence to us as disciples is that there's never a place where you don't forgive. Because there's never a place in him when we ask him to forgive us that he doesn't have a place available and ready to forgive us. And if he forgives us, we have to forgive each other. And when you don't forgive, it makes you bitter. It makes you hateful. It also causes a chemical reaction in your physical body that opened the door for you to be susceptible to sickness and disease. Unforgiveness will cause your aging process to accelerate. Because unforgiveness messes you up and it cuts off your blessings. When you have unforgiveness in your heart, God is not hearing you when you pray, and I don't care if you call yourself an intercessor. And the reason God doesn't hear you is because your heart's not right. When you hold unforgiveness in your heart, your heart is not right. And some of you who are listening around the world, you have been what I call wrong, wrong. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's an unthinkable, uh, undeniable, something you don't even want to speak again. I mean, you've been violated, violatedly wrong. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God where you still can because you must still forgive. Because when you don't forgive, you don't hold the person You hold yourself in bondage. And it makes you something that God didn't design for you to become hateful, borderline like a witch, because you're acting anti Christ. It makes you ugly. And it makes you mean-spirited and judgmental. Are Are you ready for this? It breaks your relationship with God. Unforgiveness disconnects your line of communication with the Father. And I don't know anybody in the kingdom who can afford that. Are you listening to me? Unforgiveness disconnects you from God. And so while you're trying to press in supposedly with spiritual things, as you call it in prayer, it makes you str- it makes you a witch. Because you're going in with the wrong heart. And so you get accommodated. In the spirit world, not by angels of God, but a demonic force. And you walk away believing something that is not God. And you walk away believing you heard something that God didn't say. And it'll make you strange. And got quiet. But you don't go into prayer with unforgiveness in your heart. You don't go into prayer hating people. Because when you engage in prayer, it'll usher into the spirit world. Are you listening to me? And you don't want to get over there and not be right in your heart. Is this helping anybody at all? I said, is this helping anybody at all? So how many times do you forgive your pastor? You forgive me 490 times every service that I go over time. Please stand to your feet. I hope you've got something tonight. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.